0: Welcome to Arrested DevOps, episode 38, Career DevOps. I'm your co-host, Matt Stratton, at Matt Stratton on Twitter.
1: And I'm your co-host, Trevor Hess, at Trevor G. Hess on Twitter. Arrested DevOps is brought to you by Tenth Magnitude, a cloud services company that figures if you're listening to this podcast, you must be pretty cool. You can find out about joining our cloud services team at ArrestedDevOps.com slash Tenth Magnitude.
0: This episode is also sponsored by PagerDuty. PagerDuty eliminates the noise, chaos, and manual processes across the entire incident lifecycle to decrease resolution time. PagerDuty is trusted by companies like Etsy, Nike, and GitHub. To sign up for a free 14-day trial, visit ArrestedDevOps.com PagerDuty.
1: Tonight, we'll be talking with Jeff Hacker about developing your career in DevOps, or just in general. DevOps is a hot career choice these days, and a lot of folks want to know how to grow their career. Jeff, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah,
2: hi. Uh, my name is Jeff Hackert, and I'm the director of learning experiences at Chef. Yeah, I've been um, I've been around the internets for a while. Uh, I've been hooking things up since uh, I guess for about 30 years. Uh, so I've worked with software development teams and infrastructure teams um, yeah, as an engineer and, and as a people manager. Uh, yeah, for a little over 30 years. Uh, and at Chef, my role is an interesting role. It's um, it partly working with the people organization and partly working with managers to develop uh, the management skill set so some experiential coaching
1: so so what can you tell us about about having a career in devops you know like for, for me right now i'm kind of going through this like internal existential crisis where i don't necessarily feel quite like a developer anymore but i'm not really an ops person and now i'm starting to wonder if i am the de- if i am the devops <laughs> Well, so where is um, that line? In?
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, I think, well, first of all, I guess I would, I would say that just thinking about career development within the workplace is not something that's super common. Uh, I was reading a study um, uh, just a month or so ago, uh, sort of preparing uh, for some stuff internally at Chef, and in that study, it was uh, nearly half the respondents said that their uh, any sort of personal development was not uh, wasn't at all taken seriously by their current employer. And uh, something like 65, 66 percent uh, admitted that they had no development plan in place. Uh, I read another study that it was like an, it was a, from exit interviews of a very large enterprise organization uh, and fewer than 5 percent responded that they'd, that they'd received any sort of career counseling at all from their managers in the entire time of their employment. So I think in some ways it's very rare. Um, so if you're if you're wondering right now, you know who you are, um, you're in a good spot to start down to start down this road, sort of like um, to take the reins yourself, which is something that I think people don't often do you know given that um, given that exit interview so less than 5% of people got any sort of direct feedback from their bosses i wonder how many people within that organization before they were asked the question had considered uh, sort of driving their own career
1: as one of my one of my former managers would have put it there are definitely people who are hungry yeah. and and really interested in advancing their career but there are also those people who are so content with what they're doing that they don't, they don't. I don't see them thinking about that next step, and that's a that's a point I hadn't really considered. Well, can we can we? And before we kind of maybe
0: talk about like how to advance your career or things like that, maybe we might talk about what career development in general means Is. and what it might mean to some some different people. Because to to Trevor's point, we've all got different thoughts on I guess depending on where you are in your career as to how you develop it. And and how you might identify that. So maybe maybe let's talk about how to figure out what's what what career development means to you. Because I don't think it's a matter of like Jeff or Trevor or me defining career development because we're different people. But what what might uh, Hacker what might be some things that someone could do to figure out what that means to them.
2: Well, uh, yeah, that's it's a good question. Here's what I would say. I think that, um, just to, uh, to touch on what Trevor was talking about, I think that, that we enter into the workplace and, and um, in general, you know, we have a strong desire to learn, probably a strong work ethic, um, and usually that's enough, and I've, I've, you know, I've interviewed now I have hundreds, hundreds uh, probably hundreds, maybe we're in the three digits, maybe we're at four digits. I've interviewed a lot of people and gone over their their um, sort of their their ideas around personal development and and what I hear is uh, frequently said is well I've never really thought about it before uh, I just sort of um, you know I, I've these opportunities have arisen as a result of whatever I'm doing and I've just sort of flowed with my career. And sadly, a lot of times that's somebody who's now in like a manager position who's like, how did I get, how did I get here? And like, well, okay, well, let's retrace the steps. And they're like, well, I just went with the flow. Uh, and the next thing you know, you know, on the back of a successful project or on the back of some, some very good work in a particular area, suddenly they're, they're leading a team. And, and then uh, it feels like, it, it sounds to me a little bit like, you know, crowd surfing at a show. You just sort of throw yourself back and you let uh, your manager or you let the company sort of define where you'll go and that's that's one way to do it. Um, and if your interests lead you in good directions and people are generally supportive, um, you could end up in a pretty good spot. Uh, there's a lot of ifs in that description which I think is kind of dangerous. So another way to go about it is uh, to do something that I think that people would uh, are, are normally afraid to do and that is to get declarative about who you are and why you're doing what you're doing. It is, uh, so I, I guess I will just want to throw that out there for a second and see how the two of you respond. So if I just show up in your place of employment and I'm like, hey, I'd like you to write me, I don't know, six, eight paragraphs about uh, who you are and what you want to do and I'd like you to make that uh, available to everybody in the company. Uh, how are How are you going to feel about that?
0: I'm going to feel pretty good cuz I just cuz I already did it. I'm one of the <laughs> people that already did it on my team. But that's cuz we already do that. But I can tell you about But first I guess I'd like to Darkiness aside before I reply cuz I could speak from what it was like to do it. Hmm. Um let let let's let Trevor answer. Yeah, so given that so it would
1: I, it would honestly I think now I have an answer for that question. Yeah. But I think 2 months ago I wouldn't have had an answer to that question. Yeah, and and it's 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 one of those things where it's sort of hard to reconcile that because it's such a different way of thinking. So it, it's you know recently I was promoted to senior consultant, and sort of that was that was kind of my like my goal out of college was because people were starting to tell me you know that I was good and that I could do all these things, and so my goal was you know how quickly can I get to to the the title, yeah. But now that I'm at the title, I also realize that the title has nothing to do with with reality. Really, <laughs> it's, it's like it's like I had
0: massive respect for MCSEs till I became one. okay.
1: like I'm still in the same the same boat as as I was before, where you know I know nothing, but I can I can answer questions get, and find answers. You get, get paid more for knowing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Socrates would be proud. Yeah, <laughs> I think, like I said, now I think I have an answer to that question, hmm. and I have. I'm, I'm luckily in a position where I can facilitate that for myself. Yeah, well, that's
2: good. Um, it's not. So, yeah. well, so was, one- was it scary? Sorry, can I ask really quickly, Matt? Was it? Yeah. Does that? Did that question like when it came up? How comfortable were you in starting to formulate that answer? Like, how is the pro- what was the process like of understanding who you wanted to be? And then did you have to declare it? Like, did you have to let anyone know, hey, I want to be a senior consultant? Or did you so, get the title conferred?
1: So, so I, I had to ask for it. But um, I think the, the answer I've come to since then. Yeah, I actually I had a conversation with John Cowie about it last time well one of the last times I was in London. It was uh you know it was it was kinda it was kinda scary to admit like, you know, maybe there's maybe there's a, a more of a niche that I want to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um and it's you know it's not necessarily, you know, writing, you know, ASP applications. Right. There's <laughs> so, something
2: interesting about saying yes to a particular thing, because you know, we're saying no <laughs> right. a lot of other things Matt how, what was your experience like when, when, when I uh, or somebody in an organization that I put
0: pressure on asked you <laughs> to, <laughs> to do that thing <laughs> Well one thing that I thought was interesting when we when we did that at at chef was so you made a comment and this is what I wanted to I was gonna follow up with Trevor and and say how he would feel about this particular part because you specifically called out the and this will be shared with the entire organization. Yeah. Because usually when we talk about coming up with uh, a development plan or whatever, it's like this thing you do with your boss. While I don't think it was necessarily explicitly made clear, and if it was supposed to be, and my boss did this wrong, <laughs> then I hope I'm not getting him in trouble. Um, but so
2: many <laughs> how people, terrible would that be? Yes. So
0: many people, yeah, how much trouble is he going to get with you, right? <laughs> Um,
1: I'm making that What about a blameless Matt. Yeah,
0: that's right. <laughs> well, but, but what I was going to say, but but what was interesting, and I just want to make this point, was I don't recall being told that it had to be shared, but I saw that so many people had shared theirs yeah. that it was kind of natural for me to do it. So I was like, oh well, I, I actually I saw that as a challenge. Like, well, I'll do this publicly because that is makes me uncomfortable.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, because it made it very hard to be honest. I mean, and I don't mean like to not. I mean, let me put it this way: it made it be very hard to be very um, vulnerable in it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. That may that's a better part. Instead of you know uh, about saying it, and it also well it made it. It also made it hard to be declarative in both ways, both on the things that are like, hey, this is something that this is a weakness, or or this is a this is an area, this is an area of improvement, you know this is something I suck at and I don't want to suck at anymore. Right. It's how I looked at some of the things and being able to be really, you know, brutally honest about that was, was kind of hard to do in public. Well, but what was actually harder now that I think about it was being brutally honest about the strengths. Yeah. Because it comes, it made me feel like it's something that I would have no problem writing up in a, in a document that was going to my boss or my boss's boss, mm-hmm. but something that was going to the whole company I've, I felt like, especially working in a company where I feel very privileged to work with really, really great people, so it's kind of hard, like, it, 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 it's very hard for me. I, I hate to say brat, right? You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I'm like, oh, it's one thing if I was telling, you know, my boss this, but now I'm going to have this be read by Jez and, you know, Julian Dunn and, you know, and who knows, and maybe Adam or whatever, and they're going to be like, is that true? But I, I got over it. The one thing that was really awesome about it being shared with the company or at least within my team i don't know if anybody outside actually i do think a couple of people outside my team read mine because i do I, I vaguely remember getting some notes like hey i really like how you wrote this or this was an interesting idea or, you know some, some kind of a thing was that there's accountability that went into that yep. where my my team now knows or my coworkers, without me having to request it if they choose to want to help me with those things, to help me be accountable, they know things I want to work on. And I, I made a similar comment when I was helping a coworker with his. When I was just sort of looking at it, I was like, hey, here's some unsolicited feedback, but how could somebody help you with this particular thing? So if I'm reading this and I want to be a uh, good teammate for you, how can I How can I hold you accountable, right? I mean, in a, in a really uplifting way, not a like, so did you do your TPS reports? But be yeah. like, hey, I know you say you want to work on more open source, contribute to more open source projects.
1: Right.
0: Have you had it? What are some cool ones you've done lately? And if you go, oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I forgot I was supposed to do that. That's actually like better, you know, I don't know. Well, it's, I, think it's, it's, I, think it's, I think it's really scary to share it, but it, I, I see the
1: power. One of the things we did when I started at 10th was um, kind of put our, our like, our, goals and what we want to see as a team together, kind of our like our internal team plan and mission statement kind of thing. And one of the first one of the big things we talked about was how we all need to kind of we need to be our own advocate such that we can support each other. But we didn't we didn't go this step further to, to advocate to, to sit down and actually compile and advocate our goals so that we could support each other.
2: Well, that's actually a great segue. So man, what I thought I would do is i I'd walk back uh, just a little bit and explain to people what the it was that, um, that Matt went through uh, and, and just talk about how we do uh, career development at Chef a little bit. Um, so the, the it that Matt is referring to is <laughs> it might as well be called the, the, a TPS document. We, we call it uh, lovingly the PDP, which is, uh, you know, personal development plan. Because naming things is hard, we we could have named it like Astro Kittens or something, but uh, I just felt like <laughs> the name is probably We're, the. Least.
0: We we only we already have enough things with silly names at chef that we actually <laughs> yeah. sound like a business sometimes.
2: Bacon yada yada development something right, but yeah. um, but it's uh, just it's just, um, so this document is um, is really simply it's very simple in terms of its structure, so about. Um, you know, maybe about 40% at the top is your aspirational, this sort of your aspirational goals. Like, where is it that you're going with your career? So this could be what brought you to this particular company, what has brought you to this particular role, uh, and where do you see that developing? Um, and then, the so the middle section uh, is focused on sort of strengths and weaknesses. So the areas where you think you're really strong, it, it sometimes comes in the form of, a list of things that you are sort of willing to do for yourself and others. Uh, Normally when I join a new team, I create a list of things that you can can expect from me. (laughs) That list uh, is things I will do and some things I won't, right? Uh, So it it, it comes both ways. And then at the very bottom of the document, um, is just some link to maybe target conditions or uh, just some area that someone could look at what you're doing or what you're trying to achieve in a more concrete way, uh, not as a status mechanism, but as a way of sort of tying things together. And, and the reason for that is that, you know, you could have somebody really, really um, give you a lot of exposition in terms of where they want to go. They can really pour their heart out at the top of that document. And they're like, I want to be the president <laughs> for all of these reasons. And they could be super compelling reasons. And then you'd look at all of their strengths and you'd be like, oh, I'm in, right? And then uh, maybe look at their weaknesses and like, wow, with a little development, this could be the greatest president ever. Uh, and then at the bottom, they're like, uh, the list of things is, you know, I'm washing dishes on a regular basis. I, um, they're just not. I guess uh, I'm being a little silly, but they're, they're completely. Not doing
0: anything that's actually
2: completely unrelated. So in the case of an engineer, you could have a, someone who aspires to be a very strong engineer who for reasons um, is doing maybe the scut work for the team and is not getting a chance to do um, the kind of engineering work that, that they want to be doing. Um, and so uh, being able to sort of first of all say that and second of all be able to take action on it can be really powerful. Um, I would say though that people are often, uh, there's, people are often nervous or scared. Uh, scared to expose, um, and, and Matt you talk about being vulnerable, it's this huge act of vulnerability to say who you want to be in an organization. I think the single biggest reason is that we're, like I, this just sounds terrible, but in some organizations you're just afraid that someone's going to like, um, you know, what, what is the old, uh, the, the old uh, move your cheese, right? Someone's going someone's gonna to steal your cheese. So if you're like, hey, I want to be the person that does the thing, there's first of all that fear of will I be supported, will I be blocked, right? Uh, will people take me seriously? Um, what, and then when you're talking about strengths and weaknesses, often, often people feel like um, it's the weaknesses that are going to be difficult to talk about. But in fact, it's, the, it's literally the opposite. I've seen engineers just write pages about areas where they think they're weak, but are very reticent to talk about their strengths. Um, some of that is humility, and I think that that's an important quality. But some of that is born from a different. It's um, it's born from those ideas of imposter syndrome, or I'm not as good as my peers, and um, and I don't know that that's healthy. It's a thing that we see in the industry, and we, we make lots of jokes and references to it. But I think those concepts can hold us back. So uh, at Chef, we do this document, and the and the concept is um, or the the way that we work it is this. Uh, I say to the I say to the people managers at Chef. Um, every engineer is responsible for their career development, right? Full stop, (laughs) and then I tell them, and you are 100% responsible for the career development of every engineer on your team. Uh, And I think that that is, uh, that's the only way that you can work it. Both those things have to be simultaneously true uh, in order to, in order to to get really the best outcomes for for the people that you're working with. So from, from your own side, it's good to get in touch with and invested in who you want to be and to communicate that to your team. Um, mainly because y- y- they're going to help you. You've got to take that trust fall a little bit, but, uh, but your team is going to help you. Um, it, it, I recognize that there are some organizations in which that may not be true. I, don't, I wouldn't know what to do in that case in, in, in the time we have allotted to talk, but if, you, if you're listening and that is your experience. I'm super happy to to talk with you, but uh, but in general, your team wants to help you. Uh, but before they can help you, they need to know they need to know who you are. And and uh, just to sort of bring us back, I think that's the place where people tend to get stuck. So Trevor, when you talk to John Cowie, who by the way, if you could, I could not recommend a better career counselor, <laughs> 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 uh, or a less handsome one. Um, so when you talk to him, was 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 it your dream? Is and is it now your dream fulfilled to be a senior consultant?
1: I mean I I think at that moment it was. And then there was kind of a, a week or so where I was like, Well, okay, now what? Right. <laughs> and so that's kind of like, you know, figuring out what the what kind of the next steps are. Even though a lot of those kind of the, the next steps I want to take we identified in that same conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I to be honest, I don't know if John realizes that that was what the, the conversation became for me. But that was what the conversation became for me. Yeah. And
2: uh, how far out can you good. see on your sort of career horizon? Like, what do you what do you see? Where do you see yourself in terms of developing as a, as a senior engineer, like, or sorry, as a senior consultant? What does that entail?
1: So that's a that's a better question. So more more what I'm what I'm looking at is the sort of things I want to work on and and less like I've got less vision into like what the next step is in terms of like a title so much as the things I want to be working with and the things I want to be contributing to. I like to lead, I like to build, I like to do those sorts of things. And so, I really want to focus on making those things better, um, so that I can take whatever the next step is in terms of in terms of position, be right. that you know, lead lead something or director of something or whatever, whatever comes next.
2: I think it's I see really Matt snickering
1: over there. <laughs> I was I was snickering at the
0: like it's it's still like about the title, you know, mm. but but that's hard, right? I totally get it because it's hard to know what does that, what does that mean? Cause titles are hard, right? Yep. I mean, ultimately they're meaningless. Well, cause they mean different things in different places, you know? Yeah. And cause the thing is like, if you wanted to say like, well, it's important to me to have the word director in my title, you could figure out a place to go work and be the director of something, you right. know? And it could be me. That could just be like, that's what we call and, but you could be the one engineer writing code for this startup, and they'd be like, "Sure, we'll call you director of whatever the hell you want to be called, but we're still paying you sixty grand and options."
2: Can we, is it okay if we talk about that for just a yeah, second? Yeah, yeah. I, I think what I hear, Trevor, and uh, and if, maybe I'm just mapping uh, what I've heard others say onto you right in this moment. So, so let me know <laughs> if that's the case, right? Yeah. Um, but the title titles are usually about uh, about getting enough positional authority to be able to make the thing. That you want to make real yeah and so um, I you know <laughs> I will say again like two two contradictory things in one sentence right T- uh, the titles don't matter and they absolutely matter and so of you course. have to yeah, yeah so you have to know <laughs> your um, you have to know your environment so when you're thinking about title though I think the best way to think about it is thinking about it in terms of what you're trying to accomplish where I see people get stuck like I think Matt makes a great point. You can get, you can fail up. What do they call it? Like they call it failing to your,
0: um, to the, to the highest level of, your of incompetence. incompetence think, the Peter right? Principle, right? Exactly. You're promoted to your level of incompetence. So. Exactly. <laughs>
2: um, which you know is fair. <laughs> Seems like what we all deserve. But um, but no, like you can, uh, as Matt was saying, you can find a title. But what you really want is enough positional authority. And so that can come. That comes through. That can come through leadership, through influence. It can come through actual authority conferred via title. But I've, I have found in my own career that that has been harder to work with. So just in terms of like raw material,
1: I think I have the respect of my peers, where I, I have a lot of that sort of positional authority mm-hmm. already. It's sort of I mean it's it's again it's sort of that like that next step where like it's acknowledged that I'm you know I don't know, it's sort of it's the it's the stupid confirmation piece, which yeah and and it certainly there's there's absolutely gonna be places where where you can get you know for lack of a better term a bullshit title mm-hmm. like that's that's pure bullshit, you know, I can be the director of flowers.
2: Yeah, <laughs> actually, that's like—is that a job that I could have?
0: Yeah, uh, right. a <laughs> really hard job.
2: Part man, <laughs> part executive. <Look> those <laughs>
0: folks work for a living.
2: <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing: that recognition is real. Um, so, I, I, and I, there's nothing wrong with wanting it. I, 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 as a matter of fact, I think the, the the better we can get about being explicit about what we need, I think the uh, the more willing people are going to be. Uh, really, to help us get where we want to go. Uh, and I don't mean that in some magical way. Like, um, I think that if you can marry sort of a vision of yourself with a certain amount of, of flexibility or authority and a title and a thing becoming real in the world, and you can make that thing manifest, uh, and people want that thing, they're going to come with you. Right? Mm-hmm. It never works out when, it's, when you want to be the, the assistant to the original the director. That's all you want to be, and, and you're chasing that title. But when you, can marry the, when you can marry the need or the desire for the position to the thing, and then you make the thing, getting that recognition is sweet. And I think that's a fine reason to want to do something. Uh, I think starting with that position of, I want to build a thing, and it, because I think we're talking mainly about engineers here. Uh, starting with that position of, of I want to see a thing in the world, and this is what I think it will take to get me there, is a, is a great way, uh, is a great way of, of, of going through that process. And if you make it explicit early, I think you get more help, uh, which is why we do the, the PDP process at Chef. Uh, it's a way of taking some. Um, you you know that you do know the cheese
0: thing. You know the Who Moved My Cheese?
2: Yeah, and there was a book, and there was cartoons, and some mice, and some cheese being moved from cheese station. it's a, a
0: self improvement book by Spencer Johnson. It is that, yeah. Yeah.
2: So I think that's a little bit real, like that fear of talking about what you want to do, because you, because um, you know for many reasons is is a real thing. Uh, real, uh, it can be real too in your environment that. Uh, communicating or signaling interest in an area can sometimes be dangerous. Um, I think we have to cultivate, at least within the teams that we're working on, enough trust in the organiz- enough trust within that unit to be able to talk about those things. And so Matt was talking about making these things public. Um, it's not a requirement, at Chef, that you're development plan be public. Okay,
0: good. So I didn't get my manager in trouble. You didn't, no.
2: Okay. Uh, not everybody wants to do that.
0: No, but, I totally get that. I was just, yeah. the, the way that you expressed it made me wonder if, but it was, I, I noticed that it was, that people did do that. and they did do it that. was it was pretty powerful to me to do it.
2: Yeah, it, I think it is the most, I think that document is the most helpful when it's public because I think you get the most feedback. Like one as, what one aspect of what you're doing in terms of career development is you're opening yourself up. Like you were talking about both giving and getting feedback. Feedback without the context of what you're trying to be is sort of is sort of not that helpful, right? So just imagine you're 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 you know you're pounding away at some Scala because that's a thing, right? And somebody leans over and they give you uh, some really good feedback on on your Scala code, and let's say that it's you know it's it's Pretty critical. So there's two ways that you can maybe you can receive that feedback. So one is you could be like, oh, thank you so much because it is my goal to become the greatest Scala uh, developer ever. Another way you could you could receive that feedback is I actually don't. I just want to get this thing done. <laughs> I don't enjoy working in this language or like. So it would be like, thank you for the feedback, but it's not where it's it's not my life's calling. It's not my passion. Uh, and I think I think it's important to know those things. Because otherwise, have you ever been to that conversation where someone wants to give you, you know, they want to give you some guidance, but you, just, you don't care about the thing?
0: You're like, yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, I really yeah. To that you're
2: like uh, yeah. So you're getting a lot of you're getting a lot of rich and enthusiastic feedback on the TPS report you just crafted, and you, you don't you're not that interested. And uh, if that person knew that, they probably wouldn't invest in that way, or they might invest in a different way. They might take a different approach in terms of why. Uh, the the code should look differently than it does. Creating that groundwork by by sort of letting people know who you are, I think, is super super important.
0: I think another thing that I I, I kind of would like to to touch on, and maybe it's maybe it's been beaten to death, but it but in and in certain circles, I think we understand this, and others we don't. Um, but it's this idea of of again going back all the way back to the beginning of the conversation of what is, does it mean to develop your career? And it's, it's this sort of this thing of, you know, I see lots of, lots of people will post about stuff like this, about, hey, you know, I got promoted, now I'm the manager. Yeah. You know, and it's this, that, that and that first of all, the career path is that, you are, and again, with the Peter Principle, right? And there's there's the the, uh, the 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 corollary or the extension of that that Scott Adams wrote, which was the Dilbert Principle, which is right. an organization promotes its uh, incompetence to the place where they can do the least amount of damage, i.e., management. Um, <laughs> oh well, yeah. So uh, yeah, we
2: should talk about that for a minute because <laughs> you can do a lot. You can wreak a lot of havoc as a manager.
0: Yeah, and and but there was a there's a really interesting article that. Um, Lindsay Homewood wrote back, this was last September, this was going around the Twitterverse, and I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's called It's Not a Promotion, It's a yeah. Career Change. Yeah. And I have a lot of feels about this because I've I've done it and I I went down kind of the, you know, the belief that, you know, the way to, to move up my career is to go up, up, up the ziggurat, you know, through right. um, through management. And I did. I kind of hated it. And then decided, okay, I'm going to go back to being an individual contributor in anything I do. And one of the things that's kind of challenging is it's, it's, uh, it's hard to get out of that. You know, so like I went through this role, through this world where I went in and I, you know, I spent most of my life as an engineer, then was a lead. And I think a team lead is still not management. That's still, you're still an engineer. You just, you know, because you're generally not a people manager at that you point. Get the, you
2: get the engineering cap. You, right, you're still you,
0: doing some real work, but you're, you're not dealing right. with people problems. You're not doing that. Not too much, right? Right, yeah. Uh, then became a manager, but it was that was a whole other problem of being one of those fifty fifty managers, which isn't a thing. But we'll leave that alone. Became a director, <laughs> right? And I had a and the, and then there was a leadership change, and the my my new boss said, Matt, I think managing people is not what gets you out of bed and brings you into the office every day. And I said, right. you're right we changed, I changed roles and left that company. I went to go work as an individual consultant with 10th and relatively quickly ended up getting promoted and ended up hiring a bunch of people, ended up managing a bunch of people. Right. And I was kind of, and that's not why I left 10th by any means. It was, it was okay. But I've, I've had this conversation at chef. multiple No, times we, uh, like,
1: we discovered that was because I joined.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I get it from you. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I've told my boss and we've talked about this and I was like, I don't, I don't like it right I don't like managing people that's not my thing and I think uh, and I'm not great at it I mean I think I'm okay at it right. but the the trick is to say how do we you know realize like both as an organization allow for that to say like we want people to be able to develop and contribute more and more but they may not be able but but just because they're great at can you know they're probably not good managers.
2: Yeah, Matt, that's a great point. Like we, I think we often confuse performance for career, performance management for career development, and they're not the same thing. So, the that that article was a that was a great article, and it is for sure real. When you when you change titles from from engineer, uh, even from engine lead, or sorry, from from a, uh, from like a team lead to an engineering manager you have changed your career. Um, I, many, many very, very competent software developers have said to me upon becoming managers, when will I find time to code? Yeah. <laughs> and my answer is, I don't know. But yeah. not on I'll this be. job, <laughs> you're yep. not yep. gonna find it anywhere on this job, right? Which is, uh, you know, not exactly true, but it's largely true. Um, and that's because from my perspective, what you're taking on are sort of three there's three core areas there's first of all the people development right really ensuring that the people that are um, that are that are building the products that you're focused on are cared for right you have a genuine interest in their well-being you understand who they are and where they're trying to go and you are literally uh, spending some portion of every day trying to ensure that they can get there um, so that's one aspect of it. The other is um, sort of process. And, uh, and if you're lucky, you know, so that's like a development process, right? So maybe you're helping the team to improve in terms of their understanding of the work they do, helping to make it more visible. And then if you're lucky, you know, maybe you're doing some architecture, or maybe you're doing some, some, some product management as part of your relationship with the team, but not always. Right? So the core.
0: Well, I, the of, other thing, oh, I, have, I just want to ask a quick question about that because sure. I've been in scenarios where that was a problem. Where I was in a place where yeah. the understanding was well, our dev managers were also our architects. Right. And the thing that I saw was well, when you give somebody two jobs, they're going to only do one of them. And it was either we would have scenarios where either was, uh, they were focused on architecture and
1: they and then they the were managing. Swanson quote.
2: Quote. Yeah. Go, yeah. code?
0: Don't,
1: don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one, one thing. One thing. Exactly. exactly.
0: And so we would have that scenario it would happen in two ways where either they would half-ass managing their people because they were being good architects or they were being good managers and not being architects. And yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think, uh, Jeff, I think you have a different opinion on the capability of being able to do that. Well, and I, I, I'm curious.
2: I think, I, I think we should. I guess um, here's what I would say. I would say the first thing that has to go in that equation, if you're struggling, uh, if you're struggling at all, is the the part that's married to the product, right? So be, because your core responsibility is to the humans that are in your that are in your stewardship. So I guess I see the job in a particular way, and that um, and so the job is to help to provide context around the uh, product and to help to remove blocks. So sometimes providing architectural guidance or helping a a team to sort of um, look at at what they're building is helpful. I think this is radically different than what we think of when we think of like an enterprise architect. Okay,
0: that's what I was just going to say. Okay, so you were saying, yeah, providing architectural guidance and mentorship and things like that versus I was describing as it was to say, no, your job is you are a software architect and you are a manager.
2: Yeah, I have now. I have the feelings because, um, and I, I really just want to apologize to people who uh, who are architects because I know you're <laughs> lovely people and and your parents love you and your kids love you and uh, but it you know that role to, it requires it that that requires a lot of attention,
0: I yep. would just say, <laughs> and
2: Absolutely. you should only do that thing.
1: And only that thing.
0: You should hold uh, that. that thing. If yeah. there's one thing that you should be whole assing, it's architecture. It's
2: architecture. And you <laughs> should do that in a company that loves and needs architects. Yeah. The, uh, so, but, but I feel like um, dev process and people development uh, are really the focus. And I think those two areas are important because they're the two areas where our psychology tends to trip us up the most. Uh, not that your manager is a psychologist, but that they're the hardest to navigate. They're the most people-centric. So, under, so be, allowing your team to understand who, who you are and what you're working on, Take, there's two facets for that. There's the actual sort of tactical, what am I working on and how do I visualize that to the rest of the people that I'm working with, and then there's the meta, right? Uh, who am I, why am I here, and where am I trying to go? And I think those are, those are two very important areas that a manager is a, is a, acts as a steward for. Uh, there was a great uh, project Oxygen, which is a, it's where the Google's sort of eight things came from. That that people were uh, that people were passing around those eight sort of qualities of a manager. I think are, are uh, is a really good example. You know, Google had no manager role, and and then when in their you know, characteristic of Google, when they decided that maybe something was missing, they should figure out what it was. Uh, they led with the analytics, and they were able through surveys and their 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 uh, people operations team was able to sort of figure out a list of these eight things. There, you've, you, I don't think you'll find architecture anywhere on that list, right? But that list is wholly devoted to making the lives of the people on these teams better. Uh, and I don't mean that in a, like a general fuzzy way, like bring cupcakes or uh, bacon and scotch or whatever it is that, that people enjoy. It doesn't it hurt, though. That those things don't hurt. They're, they're good, Yes. Uh, I'm vegetarian, so the bacon, not so good, but, but everything
0: else. I could do vegan bacon.
2: Vegan bacon. Uh, but anyway, it's really focused on, uh, sorry, uh, just to get back to that, so <laughs> the, the, <laughs> those eight things are about the people. Uh, this is really the, the message of, um, of Agile and, and XP. It is the context is the practice. Right? The practice of software development, the practice of uh, infrastructure design and deployment. But within that context, it's really about the people. Uh, Ken Schwaber, there's this great quote in the little, um, in the little Scrum booklet, the, the Beatle book, you know, uh, which I think is out of print now, but it's a good one. But Ken, Ken says, he's like, there are three things in the software development project. There's three sources of variation, right? One is, is requirements. You know, you're, they're going to gonna change, and they're probably going to change late. Uh, two is uh, the underlying tech, right? The tech's always changing, and this is true. Uh, number three, people. <laughs> He's like, and he doesn't just say, like, people. He's like, people individually and people working together as teams. Uh, and so there, there's a lot of variation in how we work together. And navigating that, getting to a place where we're, where we're performing effectively, Or even to a place that we would call high performance requires that we understand each other really well within the context of what we do. Uh, A a fatal mistake that I have seen a lot of agile sort of coaches make um, is that mistake where they think that they become like you act as somehow a psychologist or or a parent for a team. I think that's a mistake. It has to be in the context of the work you're doing. Which means that, you know, uh, I don't know if I've, I've dug myself into a little bit of a hole here, but uh, it means that you um, you need to understand who the person sitting next to you. Like when you're pairing, you need to understand a little bit about the motivation of that person in order to be able to relate to what they're doing and to help them to learn or to learn from what they're doing.
1: So I, I completely agree with that. I think uh, – it- Knowing a little bit of the psychological component can also be helpful, though. So one one of my favorite tools is um, doing an emotional check-in with your team. And so there's a it's we've talked about the McCarthy Show and the core protocols before, but they have this uh, this thing called the (laughs) this this check-in protocol where you do this. You can use any combination of the the four words: mad, glad, Mm -hmm. sad and afraid where yeah. you can pass to describe your current emotional state.
2: Yeah. And coupled with being checked in or checked out, right? Right. This is, this is one of my favorite ex- I, so first of all, I, Jim, if you're listening, I don't think you are, but if you are, I love you.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I started. talked to him on the phone once during oh, my camp.
2: <laughs> well, so I love the core protocols. Um, I have not, so I know Jim, I love the protocols. Um, I've talked to Jim uh, uh, some, on, on the Facebooks from time to time. I don't. I've, I haven't done it, but I've worked with engineers that have been through the boot camp. Yeah, I think that check-in process is super, super important. Uh, I talk about this at work sometimes, and, and I can tell by the responses that I get, like I can tell by the face on the other side. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, I don't know. But I think it's really important.
1: Uh, I think people are, are, are weirded out by it for like the first couple times. And then the, like when they finally get to that, that day when someone says like I'm sad today yeah. or that, like someone admits that they're mad yeah. and you, you see their their actions that day painted with the the emotional context of their day right. and things fall into place you understand the person who said they're mad that day yeah they are they're, they actually are a little on edge and it's not your fault they're just they're mad today
2: there's a lot of power in that um in, in that expression, you know, there's like seven faces um, that will re- that reveal uh, emotional content. They come with the human equipment, um, and it, this is funny. Like I learned that both from Jim McCarthy, but I also learned it from a Tibetan monk, <laughs> which, is, which sounds ridiculous, but it happens to be true, right? Um, and so the, the the context in which it came from the monk was that he was talking about. Uh, one of his teachers, and how how that teacher scared him, like when he because he was a kid in the monastery, you know, and and this led to a conversation of how people's facial expressions, devoid of your understanding the emotional the actual emotional content, produces an emotional response in you. So uh, my thinking face could appear to be an angry face to you, right? And so you you t- you tell me some something. Uh, and I give you my thinking face back, and you walk away wondering why I hate you, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Or you just, or I just look over at you while I've, I'm I'm running through a problem, and we happen to make eye contact, and I have the grimace of thinking on, and you're like, oh, what's going on, right? And yeah. in that moment, no, now we're not working anymore. At least I'm not, right? I'm focused on what <laughs> some story in my head about why you don't like me and. Uh, <laughs> Right, and there's no place for that to go unless we accidentally hash it out. So yeah. I think Jim was really, really onto something. And in a way, the PDP is that process writ very large. Right? Uh, it's not the um, it's not the moment to moment or the daily emotional content, but mm-hmm. it is really the emotional content and the theme of what you're trying to accomplish.
1: But I mean, when you, when you and Matt were talking about kind of the the, the content of that, well, I, I immediately thought of the personal alignment from the. the the core protocols. It may not be a specific like I want to be better at Ruby sort of goal, but that that like I remember when I did boot camp, my um my my personal alignment was uh, to love myself. Yeah. And that was like that that was a good driving force for six months, you know, to kind of like really understand and grok that and be better about it.
2: I did not expect this conversation to go here, but yeah, I completely agree. Um, getting comfortable with who you are and who you want to be will, uh, doing that with your team for sure will lead to better outcomes. Um, it'll lead to better outcomes because you'll have a better under you'll have a better understanding of each other. Um, right. I have watched all the shenanigans in my career. Like <laughs> <laughs> I have seen. Mm, it, I, it's not good what I've seen, right? I've seen people, you know, really angry and upset and frustrated with each other. And, um, and the source of the frustration was not in the people they were frustrated with. They were all, nearly always, it's misunderstandings. Like it's almost, mm-hmm. rarely, it has happened, but it's rare that you get someone whose skills or disposition are just a, a really bad match. That, that sometimes happens, but th- that is really rare compared to the number of times in which um, disharmony uh, occurs on a team simply because they don't have the ability to check in in the way that you described. And it's check in on the, at the meta, right? Where am I going? Sometimes, sadly, it's even checking in on the day-to-day. Inappropriate – Like, sorry, I know we, we've, we've gone into a little hole here, but, like, inappropriate sharing in, a, in, uh, in, your, in your stand-up can drive people crazy. If no one tells you, then you right? Then you're like, I'm my dog, I'm gonna give my dog wash today. That's a thing I'm gonna do. And you're like, and everybody's listening to you, nobody's saying anything. And you're like, man, these people really care about the details. (laughs) And inside they're like, we super don't. <laughs> uh, right, and if there's no mechanism to have that conversation, it's the same thing, uh, I guess, is, or the the corollary in what we're talking about, Trevor, is when, um, you know, someone really wants to do a thing with a tech. And so they hijack, they hijack the team to get that thing. Mm-hmm. I, almost no difference, right? Um, one is career related, so the energy that goes into it is probably heavier. Uh, Probably, it's probably not accurate. Like in the moment, whatever whatever you're dealing with is probably pretty heavy. But, uh, but people come at it from a position of, of their careers. And so if you ever have this like creative abrasion that just goes off the rails, right? I want this database versus that database, or I want this technology versus that. And it's not that the decisions aren't important. They are important. But the way that those subjects get approached is with a lot, there's a lot behind it. And you have no access to to sort of the history there,
1: right? Yeah,
2: and this I think is really a big part of the subtext for and why career development is so important. The minute that you put that out there, I want to be uh, I don't know what's a database that isn't exists anymore, uh, and I want to be the best Informix database guy in the world, right? <laughs> um, you know, once you put that out there, then people are going to be like, oh, no wonder Hackert wants to put an Informix database in there.
1: Mm-hmm. Because that's what he wants to be. Right.
2: <laughs> <It's a> surprise, <laughs> right? But when you come at it sideways, well, I don't know, Informix is the greatest database ever. I super think it would work. Uh, and you don't reveal that part. It, it, the tensions don't, those tensions don't get resolved in any kind of an open way.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So we're, we're starting to run out of time. I wanted to ask one more question. Sure. And that was, uh, how, so we, we talked at the beginning about the, the 5% of people who who said they get like zero career advice whatsoever. Yeah. How, how do you know, from, from their management at least, so, so how do you know if you've got a good manager and, and what are they gonna do to help you grow your career?
2: So you know you have a good manager because that manager expresses real concern Uh, Real meaning they're willing to take steps um, to help you move along the line that you've laid out. Uh, So you know you have a good manager because they, first of all, they create the opportunity for you to talk about career development, uh, separate from performance. Performance is definitely something you have to talk about. But when, if, you know, uh, sorry, the the lazy manager is the one who's like, well, (laughs) assistant (laughs) to (laughs) to the regional director. Possibly, but look at the quality of your TPS report. Those, the quality conversations need to happen. They're super important for all of our development, skills development, competency development, safety. But they need to happen frequently, like all the time. Uh, And they should be separate from, uh, unless you know, unless you're asking to go, you know, I want to be the CEO like you're asking for some crazy like, power leap, in which case someone might have to make that planner to you. But in general, that's not going to be the case, right? In general, you're going to be talking about wanting to move to a team lead or you're wanting to talk about moving to become a senior engineer or a principal engineer or something along these lines or maybe a people manager, um, if you grow up to be awesome like me. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I encourage there – there's not a ton of quality people managers in the world. It's a, it's a finite number and it's very small. So if you're interested in managing tech teams, now is a great time to enter into that career field. It's just a plug for the profession. Uh, but, it, <laughs> but, but anyway, um, so there might have to be that conversation about why your skills don't match uh, the direct role that you're trying to get to. But in general, you want performance feedback to be frequent and... Um, and, and, and focused on the work that you're actually doing. And you want the career development conversation to be open and directive. Like you want to know what the qualities that you need to develop are. So maybe you have really good ideas but are struggling to get those ideas heard by your team or adopted. And those are the areas where, so if it's a matter of, um, of improving around leadership, it's two things, right? It's getting the feedback and the opportunity to be able to move forward with them. And I think that's how you'll know you have a good manager: is they know that they know about your goals, and they are trying to create opportunities for you to to step in and gain the experience you need. In in the end, leadership can't be taught, right? You have to have experience. There's a I, there's a link that we can talk about later, but this is a hot subject because there are many many books and there's many schools that will that will teach you leadership, but um, I think it's probably real that it requires a lot of experience um, to know how to lead. And you can't get that experience if you don't have somebody who has your best
0: interest at heart, right? Sorry, I'm flailing around because I just saw the Blackhawks lost.
2: Oh, <laughs> I thought uh, you were like, make that point, Hackard. Yes, that's so, right. <laughs> <great>. <laughs> All right. So does, does that we help it? Yes, that's right. right. What, do you, what, do you, what do you think, Trevor? Is that is that legit?
1: I think so. I mean, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm reflecting upon how, how much of that is true for me presently and, and the people who, who manage me and, and being happy about that, because I agree with that, and I agree that those are, those are helpful in helping you move forward. So that's, that's in my head, I'm just thinking about like, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, you know, I was poorly managed through uh, probably about 18 years of my career, and I don't think that that was intentional. And I feel, mm-hmm. like, um, uh, I feel like the people who tried, tr- tried really hard to do what they thought was the right thing. It wasn't until, <clears throat> it wasn't really until the last half of my career that I started to work with managers who were really invested in the growth of the people that they worked with. And I can tell you, um, I've, you know, I've worked for a few companies, not, not a ton of them, um, but uh, some, of them, uh, s- some of them did better at this than others, you know. Uh, Riot certainly, and uh, really, a ton of care goes into um, in an industry that's not known, maybe not known for this, right? A ton of care goes into um, how engineers are managed and how that and how the role of engineering managers is conceived and and uh, prosecuted. Just a ton of thought. Um, even
1: it seems like they do a pretty good job of that for all their all their staff. I mean one of, one of my close friends is now like one of the the, the people in charge of organizing the events and yeah. she like she left my the same company I was at before um, kind of not sure what she wanted to do and she started working for riot and now she's like now she has her like the, the thing she wants to do with her career yeah.
2: Which yeah, there are good cool. companies out there. At, uh, that's one um, yeah. for, that is for sure true. Uh, anyway, if, if, if you don't have that environment, um, I think you're going to have a tougher time, but I think you can start to cultivate it. So one thing I, I definitely believe is that you can do anything you want at the level of your team.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I think the, 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 the last thought I would like to share would be uh, at my last job was constantly being told, that some magic person was going to come and solve everything and that I should like, because you know, I was, uh, I wait for that person. I should, exactly. That I should wait for that person and I shouldn't just take the reins and make you, it happen. Are you,
0: are you, are you sure you were at a consulting company and not a synagogue? I didn't realize that you're old. The company was such a messianistic cult. <laughs> 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 oh my god, I mean, so much
1: I mean that's, that's really what that's, that's really what my, you know, my, that, was, that was what the CTO was telling me was, you know, like, oh yeah, we'll get, you know, we're going to hire all these, you know, magic.NET engineers who are going to come in and solve all the problems is- and not that I could go and solve the problems. And yeah, I feel like was that was a, statistical- a big break on my progress.
0: That's the, that's that whole myth of the 10 X engineer, right? Like it's this, this, this person that can do yeah. all the things that will, we'll get them in here eventually. And I've, I've had that too. I had a, you know, and, and, um, when I was at, at, at a company, we were transitioning our stack from windows and.net to Linux and, and other things. And so my, you know, the sysadmin team were primarily windows folks. And the fellow who came, came over, that ended up running the ops team after I ditched it to go be an individual contributor, basically had the same thing. He's like, well, we're going to hire in a bunch of Linux people because clearly you guys can't figure this out. And it was like this again, never, never occurred to this person that someone might <laughs> learn or all these windows admins might be running Linux boxes at home as they were, you know, but it was like, clearly it was just like, no Trevor, like to your point, there's some mythical magic admin out there. Who's going to come in and fix all these problems. and, the truth is, everybody out there. Well, first of all, these mythical people, maybe they exist, but they probably already have jobs, and you're probably not going to hire them away. You're right that the, the myth, myth is the coming to your busted ass shit, <laughs> 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 and, and be the asshole that comes in and, and does all the things. Like nobody wants that job, right? Well,
2: you know the, the biggest problem there with with that position. Um, if you don't mind my saying, is, is that, you know, people mistake, I think, uh, uh, they, they mistake the value of software development teams and, and of infrastructure teams or really any creative team within an, within an organization. So we tend to get super focused on the work output as the value that the team provides. But it's actually the learning function of the team that is of the most value. It's the pedagogic function of a team that results in disruption, that results in innovation, that results in the things that people claim that they want. And so I love it when the CEO is like, "There will be no learning." Yeah. <laughs> you, Trevor, you must wait.
0: Yeah.
2: A learned oh, exactly. person will arrive. All yeah, right. It's it was
1: super frustrating as you know, I, as I would have to meet those reins and and but still be told like, "No, no, no, no." Yeah.
2: Well, I think we're, I think what we're both saying and maybe not saying it out loud is that within your team, just dis- disrupt your company. Yeah. So,
1: all, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. all
2: right.
0: All right. So with it, with that, let's, yeah. we're going to need to wrap up. So, wow, this is, this was one of those episodes. It comes as no surprise that everything went so quickly and we're, went, went so well, but let's move into some checkouts and, and, and wrap it up here. So Hackert, what do you got for us?
2: Well, I just got to throw a shout out to Lisa Adkins. I'm uh, I'm here in, in beautiful San Diego uh, for three days of of a coaching intensive workshop with her. Um, she wrote uh, coaching uh, Coaching Agile Teams, I think. I think out of the book there. Let me see. Uh, so I don't know if you can see it, but anyway. So I'm I'm here in San Diego. I think they give this training pretty frequently. Um, so I would keep on the lookout for that. The other thing uh, I guess I'd throw a shout-out to is uh, Marie Kondo's book. Um, there's a, a, there should be a link to it in the show notes here. But she is this uh, tidiness expert fr- from Japan, and she, uh, her basic premise is that you when you're tidying, you should uh, focus on one area and what, or sort of one type of thing, and you should get rid of all of the things except for the things that bring you joy. And I just think this is such a great thing. So I've been tweeting out with the hashtag, uh, you know, the DevOps Marie Kondo, because I feel like you should apply this to your backlog. (laughs) I I feel like you can apply this to methods that you're writing. Like, I think that there's no end to where you could tidy like this. Um, So that's the other thing that I would would say.
1: Great. So Trevor. So, yeah. (laughs) So... This is actually something that Matt sent me, so it's kind of not fair, because it's kind of like stealing something that he could be using as a checkout, but okay. it's fine.
0: I'm doing it, so it's all right. Uh,
1: so Adam Edwards built a, a cookbook to basically provision yourself a workstation. Um, so it's called Winbox, and it's on GitHub. Uh, oh, it's cool. Adam is a good dude. Yes. Um it's I haven't seen it yet, and I don't know if it's going to be good or terrible. But Jurassic World comes out this week. Oh, I thought you were talking about the book. I'm like, he's like, I haven't seen it. Matt sent me a list, That's all. But you know, so World. Gotcha.
0: Um,
1: but it's got Chris Pratt and dinosaurs, so it can't go too okay, wrong. Yeah, how
0: bad can it be?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, finally, another another cool tidbit is um, Arrested DevOps has crossed the hundred and fifty thousand approximate downloads that's that's oh, downloads okay, yes. we can't confirm whether or not those are listens
0: that many copies of an episode have been downloaded to some device at some point is what we can confirm so that's pretty that's pretty fun so that's thank awesome. you listeners that's i yes, I, I really i uh, in all all kidding aside and i never agree to have all kidding aside um <laughs> My mind is really blown with how how uh, how our listening our audience has responded to this show, and you know when we kind of started it off, and who who knows what's ever going to happen out of something, and who knows what yeah. what'll what'll continue. But we really it 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 uh, it gives me the feel when I meet a listener, and I can tell Absolutely. that they they enjoy the show. So thank you to uh, anyone who's helped uh, add to that one hundred fifty thousand number. That didn't very much. Um, so yeah, my that's your turn. Yeah. So yeah. so this was funny. So I was at a meetup tonight. I was at the Kansas City DevOps meetup and talking to some dude who was asking about um, testing PowerShell DSC and I was like and we were talking about test kitchen. I'm like, oh I don't think there's a way you could directly test DSC. I'm not sure. And then when I was driving back to my hotel from the meetup, I was listening to our friends uh, Steve Murowski and Chris Weber at Ops All the Things And Murowski was like, yeah, I just released this thing called Kitchen DSC for testing DSC code in Test Kitchen. I'm like, oh, why did I not know this five minutes ago? But that's my checkout. I haven't tried it, but I think it's cool. Um, So if you're doing pure uh, Microsoft PowerShell DSC, you can actually use it. And Stephen also also released a uh, kitchen driver for Hyper-V. So if you're in a pure, like, hey, I'm just running local Hyper-V and I just want to do DSC, you can use Test Kitchen, so that's cool. Nice. Um, that's I've awesome. been using this app called Deck Set for creating presentations. Oh, yeah. This may have been a checkout before. I really like it. <laughs> um, you write them in Markdown. It's not as fancy as Reveal.js and all that stuff that the cool kids like Adam and Jacob are using. It's fairly limited, but I really like that because it's making me create really simple presentations yep. that are simple slides with a lot of notes and you can no more uh, builds. no more no yeah i can't do builds yeah it's, but i can do an animated gif as a background which is pretty
1: rad well, that's so, pretty awesome
0: yeah uh so that's at deck set uh, jennifer davis is the one who uh, tipped me off to that and then finally just uh audiobooks in general i've been listening to i'm sorry to my fellow podcasters i haven't been listening to a lot of podcasts lately i've been listening to more audiobooks um I'm almost done with the audiobook of the Phoenix Project. I actually just listened to one of my favorite old sci-fi books, uh, classics, is Joe Haldeman's The Forever War, uh, which I, I don't know what occurred why it occurred to me to get it on an audiobook the other day, but I did, and it was really fun to listen to as an audiobook. So um, just, yeah, audiobooks are cool. A uh, couple conference updates. DevOps Days Amsterdam will be June 24th through the 26th. Uh, Melbourne is July 6th and the 17th.
1: Uh, Pittsburgh CFPs and 17th, not not sixth through 17th. Oh, 16th through 17th. It came across as sixth. Just wanted okay. to be well.
0: At this to point be sure. it's super clear now. Uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh will be August 13th and 14th. Their CFPs are open. And speaking of CFPs, the CFPs for DevOps Days Chicago are open till the end of June. And uh, tickets are so we still have uh, about 18 early bird tickets available. Although if you're listening to the audio they'll probably be gone by then. But Arrested DevOps uh, listeners can use the code ADO10. That's ADO and the number 10 for 10% off your registration for DevOps Days Chicago at DevOpsDays.org. Uh, we have a newsletter, ArrestedDevOps.com slash stand. Funny thing is someone at this Ken- at this Kansas City DevOps meetup today, at the end when I was doing shout-outs, like, oh, DevOps Days, blah, blah, blah. They're like, you should do a shout-out to tell people to sign up for the banana stand." I'm like... Really? Okay. Uh, but anyway, so people like it, I guess. So uh, it's a good way to know about upcoming podcast episodes and cool news with DevOps. And if you want to download our iPhone app instead of using your own podcast app to listen to our show, you can get it at ArrestedDevOps.com iPhone.
1: Thanks again to our sponsors. Uh, be sure to visit them at ArrestedDevOps.com PagerDuty and ArrestedDevOps.com slash TenthMagnitude. Thanks to Jeff Hackert for joining us tonight. And thanks, as always, to our loyal listeners. If you enjoy listening to Arrested DevOps, we would appreciate it if you would visit ArrestedDevOps.com slash iTunes and leave us a review in the iTunes store. We'd love to hear what you thought about this episode. If you want to leave comments on the website, we've got that too. If you go to ArrestedDevOps.com slash 38.
0: Be sure to check us out at the aforementioned ArrestedDevOps.com or at ArrestedDevOps on Twitter. And we'd always love to get your input, ideas, feedback, show ideas, all that good stuff at shows at ArrestedDevOps.com. However, do please not suggest we do a show about a topic we just did like three episodes ago, (laughs) Docker. Please let (laughs) us know any ideas that you have. I am Matt at Matt Stratton.
1: And I'm Trevor at Trevor G. Hess. We arrested DevOps and remember
0: There's always DevOps
1: in the banana stand.